You can turn to Romans 5.5. 5. So the last couple of years for Will and I have been really interesting. Uh, we were kind of in a place where it was just like wave after wave of discouragement, disappointment. Uh, it sucked just to be real. And I would try to put out fires, basically. I'd come over here, and I'd look at my finances, and I'd put my faith in that. Then I'd come over here for healing, and I'd put my faith in that. And I'd go over to my children, and I'd put my faith for that. And I felt like I turned my faith into a formula, and I stretched my faith way too thin. And I got to a place where I just got really real with God. And it kind of reminds me, actually, growing up here, in our youth group used to be called Get Real. And so I had a get real moment with God at the age of 30. And he became more real to me. And the thing that he wanted to show me more than anything was his love. And man, I'll tell you, I will take Jesus in the valley any day than the mountaintop without him. He became so real to me. Like things would just come up and I would not know how we're going to get out of it. And my groan would reach his throne. And I could just feel his love. And the thing he showed me was my disappointment had to change. So this has kind of been like a year in the making. It's kind of funny, a lot of these notes happened exactly that I wrote down a year ago. And he, he really showed me that my disappointments were just, it was... It was fear. When you, don't, when you don't nip that discouragement in the butt, it's depression and diapers. So in Romans 5.5, 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's the first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Romans. And that's the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to get to you today, is his love. What's the Holy Spirit doing right there in that moment? He wants to pour the love of God into your hearts. A lot of times in churches, we associate the Holy Spirit with big, powerful movements, with signs and wonders. But I don't believe we're going to get that until we lay hold and we put our faith into his love. In those moments where I was really down and out, that's what I had to cling on to me was God loves me. So turn to your neighbor and say, God loves me. And we're going to, the thing I'm really going to try to hit home with you today is, as Christians, let's, let's put our faith in the love that God has for us. Once we know the love that he has for us, then we'll see the signs and wonders. Then we'll see the power breakthrough. And those things are just to show love to other people, really. It all comes back to love. When we have the love of God, whatever we hope for will come to pass. So a year ago, he said to me, I had this big moment on my knees and he revealed himself to me. And I said, I don't want to do anything unless it's for you. Like, I just want to abide in you. And he said, good. I'm going to get you to preach at NCM. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I hate public speaking. <laughs> Well, what do you want me to tell them? And he says, tell them to get their hopes up. 
I said, okay. Then the pandemic hit, and I was like, sweet. Because <laughs> Pastor Gary already asked me to preach, and I was like, I don't have to go to Nineveh anymore. <laughs> Not that you guys are my Nineveh, man. You're my Tarshish, right? But I was like, whoo. Then the pandemic, that whole fake thing that blew over. And then Pastor Gary, the first thing he says to me when he sees me was, I can't really do my Pastor Gary impression that good when he's right there. But he goes, hey, the last time I was talking to you, you know, you were going to preach. You're still going to preach. And I was like, all right. So I was like, all right, God, has anything changed? And he goes, you still have to say the same thing. It's time to get our hopes up. I see people, it doesn't take a prophet to sense this, but there's people in this room that's been going through garbage for years. And every time you pray, you think, was that going to happen? I've said this prayer. I marched around these walls for so long. It's time to get your hopes up. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, it's not on the screen, because the Holy Spirit (laughs) is going to pour that love out into you. Come on, John. <laughs> All right, now we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So just like I said earlier, I just... Man, when I came undone and Jesus became real to me, I was like, I just want to be with you. I just want to abide with you. And we can't get there unless we get this first thing, the love. We can't abide in God unless we are abiding in his love. So we have known and believed. Say known and believed. So how do we know? Well, let's go to Romans. Back to Romans. I grew up under Pastor Gary, so I got a lot of verses. We're in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we ask or say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You don't have to go there, but I'm going to Genesis 22, because that's what that verse reminds me of. It's in 22, verse 2, and it's talking about Abraham. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And we drop down to verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on your, your lad or do anything to him. So how did God know Abraham loved him? He did not withhold his only son. How do we know God loves us? He did not withhold his only son. He did not withhold Jesus. And Jesus was an overpayment. He was more than enough. If I owed $100,000 to the bank, and then Pastor Paul walks into the bank and says, you know that guy, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, here's a million. It's an overplay payment. It was more than enough. So now you know that God loves you, but that's not enough, because I grew up knowing 
Now we got to go deeper. They known and believe. Now we have to believe. This is the bedrock. This should be the foundation of our faith that we know and we believe. You've had that pain in your knee forever. Yeah, but God loves me. He's for me. That's where you should start. You don't have a prayer. God loves me. Man, these bills are piling up, but God's got a better way because he loves me. Whether it be a job, a check in the mail. I made my faith into a a formula. I would say, God, you got to do this, 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 and this. When I should have just been seeking the healer, I should have been seeking the blesser instead of a blessing or a healing. He's got a better way that's higher than mine. So then we go back to John 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, the next verse. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So you just heard that God loves you. Now you're starting to kind of believe that God loves you. And now you got these nasty thoughts going in your mind. How can he love you? Do you know what you said to your children yesterday when they were taking forever to get ready for school? That's not abiding in God. You flipped the bird to that man when you were driving to work. You know what you just said about your pastor? You didn't like that service and you lied right to his face. You're not abiding in love. The devil wants to say you're not doing enough good things. You're doing too many bad things. Hold up, wait a minute. As he is, so are we. Romans, it says, where's Jesus seated? He's seated at the right hand of God. That's a pretty nice place to be. I don't think that God's condemning Jesus right now. I am so thankful that, Jesus, that God is looking at Jesus in me and not the Stephen. I love when I see things about Jesus and I think, hey, man, that's me now because he's dwelling in me. One of my favorite verses is when it said, Jesus came to give you a better message of grace. Moses brought the law, but he said, I came. He didn't, I didn't send an email. I didn't send an angel. I made it personal. I want to make it personal. First thing God did, man, he walked with Adam and Eve. He's the same God. The first thing, one of the first things Jesus did was he walked with those two disciples. He wants to make this personal. And we start with, God loves me. So when we, I'm going to hop over to Matthew, I believe it's chapter 3. Feels weird flipping pages in front of everybody. Uh, yeah, chapter 3, verse 16. I like this verse because it kind of goes hand in hand with Romans 5.5. 5. It's talking about the Holy Spirit and it's talking about the love of God. So when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So a little while ago, uh, I had this dream. And in my dream, I was at work. This big fancy limousine pulls up, and these guys come out. Are you Stephen Holmes? I was like, yeah, who wants to know? <laughs> they said, well, you don't know this, but you have a distant uh, relative, and he has passed away, and he left everything to you. 
And I was like, oh, well, was he like working at Taco Bell? Like, how much are we talking? And they said, well, you got to come with us. We have to show you your estates, your businesses, everything. And I was like, well, I should tell my boss. And they're like, just leave your tools. You don't have to work ever again, basically. So I get in this limousine, pull up in this big fancy ma- mansion with like the gates and everything. Willow and the kids are already there. We walk in and it's like the foyer with the two steps going and stuff. And I'm like, man, was this guy a drug dealer or something? Like this place is crazy cool. <laughs> and I have a staff. I got like butlers. I got maids and cooks and everything. And then they said, we're going to show you the master bedroom first. And this place is bigger than my house. And he goes, now we got to show you everything else. And I said, no, nah, man, this is, this is good enough for now. Like, let me soak this in. And we just lived in that master bedroom. And we like, would ring the bell, get food brought to us. It was great. We did that for a pretty long time. And then one day I get home to the mansion and the cops are there. And the cop says, you've been broken into and all your stuff got stolen. I was like, oh. But we caught the guy. He was, his thing was hitting up these big fancy mansions. We caught him. All you have to do is come down to the police station, sign some papers. All right. And then the chief of police says, come with me in this warehouse. And there was gold and pictures and cars and everything. And he goes, all you got to do is say what's yours and we'll give it to you. And the only thing I could pick up was my bed. (laughs) I was like, well, that's the bed and that's the bell I ring. That's all I knew. (laughs) And the guy's like, dude, you're worth billions. You don't know what's yours? And I said, no. And then I immediately I woke up and God said, you're getting blind. Sorry, you're getting robbed blindly. You don't even realize the things I've given to you, gift after gift, and you don't know it. And he says, and even if you do know it, you don't fully believe it. So I was like, okay. So immediately I started thinking of things like, oh, prosperity, that's a great gift. And healing, that's a great gift. But when I read things like this, this is my beloved son. God says that about me. That's a... That's richer than gold to me. The God of the universe is saying, you're my beloved. And you can't change that because I'm looking at Jesus. And it's like I said, is he being condemned right now? No, he's looking at Jesus and me. Then the other thing I look at here is the dove that descended down. That reminds me of when Noah released that dove from the ark. He was waiting for it to come back. If it found some place it wanted to go, that was a good place to set up his nest, he wouldn't come back. The dove never came back. It's like that dove flew over time. It flew over all the waters. It flew over priesthoods, prophets. It was flying. It was looking for summers. And then Jesus was worthy enough for that dove to land on. He was the only one that was just and worthy. And he says, I'm giving you that to you. That gift And with a dove on Jesus and knowing that he was God's beloved was all he needed to start his ministry. Like, what are we waiting for? If we believe I'm his beloved, I'm his beloved. That same spirit is on me. What else do we need? Then we drop down chapter four. Uh, Like I said, that's all he needed. He went out to the wilderness. He was fasting. I don't know how he did that. (laughs) yeah now when the this is verse three now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command these stones to become bread 
that is such the devil to do something. So right when you get a word from God, the tempter comes. Right when you start to stir that hope up, the tempter comes. Just because there's a good-looking guy on stage telling you to get your hopes up doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> but do you notice what the devil said? If you are the son of God, he missed a word. God said, you're my beloved son. I'm telling you. When you feel those symptoms in the, in the morning and the devil saying they're not going around, you forgot a word. I'm his beloved. You forgot his word and his word is final. He's for me, not against me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. You may not be able to feel something in the spiritual realm with what God's doing, but you can see what the devil's doing in the natural. He's stopping churches. He's putting fear. He wants you to focus on that one thing. Man, somebody in your neighborhood just got corona. But God's saying, focus on this one thing. My hope's not going to disappoint you. Because of my Holy Spirit dumping my love on you right now. Come on. Tell him you forgot a word. If you don't know what else to say, I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. Why would God leave me here if I'm his beloved? One day I was driving to work and I saw this beautiful sunrise and I never care about the sunrise. I'm just pounding coffee in me, trying to get to work. And he said, look at that sunrise. And we were having a really rough week and, uh, and I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that's beautiful. He said, do you believe I did that? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, I do. No. Do you really believe that I did that? So I had to stop and I was thinking about evolution, creation. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I do believe you did that. Why can't you believe that I'll heal your wife if then? What's the difference? If I did that, there's nothing I can't do. Because you're my beloved. He's not holding anything back from you today. Sometimes just ask yourself, was what Jesus did on the cross enough for me? So when things aren't going right, hey, I'm his beloved. My father loves me. Then that seed is planted and it's going to start to grow. My faith is rooted in that I am his beloved. The other thing I love to do is I like to practice what John, the disciple, did. I used to think that John was super, super special. Uh, a woman ran up to Simon Peter and the disciple Jesus loved. And I was like, man, this guy, he's special. And then you find out he wrote that about himself. <laughs> and you're like, John, you're kind of weird. <laughs> That's bold. But John knew John believed, and John practiced it. So sometimes I'll be at work, or I'm at home, and I'm frustrated. And sometimes I'll tell myself I'm at work. I'm the carpenter that Jesus loved. I'm the father Jesus loved. I'm the son that Jesus loved. And it sounds silly, but I got to remind myself sometimes. 
James, I called James the other day. I had a question and we started talking. He goes, bro, when are you preaching next? That's my best James impression I can do. <laughs> I said, I'm preaching on Sunday. He goes, whoa. <laughs> he said, man, I never preached on a Sunday before. I said, bro, I'm the one that Pastor Gary loves. <laughs> like, Come on, it's, it's Yom Kippur. He saved the holiest for you guys. It's like, you got to practice that sometimes. You know, the law said you have to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I like to believe that, but can I get real with you? <laughs> sometimes I don't think I do. But the law was given to show you up. The law was given to show you that we need Jesus. We can't do this on our own. We can't keep the law. Are you crazy? And it's so easy to take love and make it all about self-focused. I love you so much, God. It's good to love God. I love God. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But what I'm trying to say is with your faith, don't root it in how much you love God. Root it in how much he loves me. And what that really reminds me of is in John chapter 13, it's the Last Supper. Uh, 13, verse 21. Is everyone doing okay? This is good? All right. When Jesus said these things, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Dum, dum, dum. Man, I would not want to be sitting at that table with a bombshell like that. <laughs> then the disciples looked at one another perplexed. I guess. Can you picture their faces? You're just sitting there eating and you find out you might be the one betraying the Savior? Like, <laughs> Look at Andrew with that sash. He's probably Andrew. <laughs> like, <laughs> Is it Maybe I already did betray him. Like the thoughts, that's some horrible news. And then practice again what John did. Where did you find John? Leaning on the bosom of Jesus. The bosom there is supposed to represent something. It's a place of closeness. It's a place of intimacy. What John was doing was leaning on love. I mean, you just find out that the second wave of a pandemic could hit you, perplexed. <laughs> but the bosom, the intimacy, it's right there. You can lean on it. The other funny thing about that is Peter's standing right there. And what does Peter say? Ask him, John. Ask him who it's going to be. In these days, people are going to have some questions. People are going to be unsure. And they're going to know who to go to to ask the right questions. And it's not the people that are boasting in themselves. It's the people that boast in the Lord's love for them. So where does boasting in the Lord get you? You drop down to verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow. But you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, here you go. This is boasting in yourself. Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. So boasting in the Lord gets you denying Jesus three times. 
running to that place of intimacy, needing Jesus, I know that I can be bold in this moment, that you're not going to judge me. Where does that get you? It gets you being able to comfort the Savior of the world in his dying moments on the cross. It gets you to be able to have the honor of taking care of his mother. Boast in the Lord. Focus on his love. How are we doing for time? I wanted to, to minister with you guys. I wanted to pray with you guys. I wanted to do communion with you guys as well. And who's playing piano today? You want to? Yeah. And we're going to go to Romans 8, verse 37. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I asked God uh, a little while ago, it was, I'd wake up and I, th- I would think of the word abide and I think of the word table and I go to work and I would think of the word abide and I think of the word table. I go to bed, abide, abide, table, table. And I've been coming here for a very long time. I think it's like since like 97, 98. And Larry Warnell was my Sunday school teacher. And one day God highlighted Larry Warnell to me and he goes, that's your spiritual father. And whenever I'd have a question, I just call Larry. I text Larry. What does this mean in the Bible? What should I do about this? And Larry would always have a verse for me or something. So one day I was like, Larry, man, I can't get the word abide out of my mind. And he said, then sometimes it's just as easy as asking him. Man, we overcomplicate the gospel all the time. So I, I went to my room, I closed the door, shut the lights, lay down my bed, and I started meditating and I started praying in the spirit, go to abide, abide, abide. And I felt this presence all over me. And I felt like a tug on my arm. It was really weird. And then it would stop. And then I'd feel it again. And so I, I would kind of like lift my arm and it felt like effortless. And then he put this vision in my mind's eye. And he showed me how I'm yoked to Jesus. And that I'm going to feel those tugs. And it's him. He wants to co-labor with me. He wants to abide in me and me in him. And he wants to lead me. And a lot of times, sometimes your walk with, with Jesus hurts. And that's because maybe you're going the wrong way. Maybe the big ox is saying, hey, hey, hey. And the more I focused on Jesus and I've been reading these scriptures, I've noticed that it's time to make his agenda your agenda. It's time to think about what he wants. And when you do that, know he's taking care of you. Take care of my business is what he's saying, and I'm going to take care of your business. Your neighbor has never been more afraid than right now. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to do this? And what the world doesn't need is us putting our opinions about Trump or masks or the racism that's going on right now. What the world needs is somebody to meet them where they're at, like Jesus met me where I was at, and say, hey, you're his beloved. And when we do that, we're going to start to abide, 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 abide. I'm not satisfied until I come to church and I see people saying, is this the place where people get healed? 
We're not going to get there until we get the bedrock. He loves us. He loves us. The Holy Spirit's not going to flow until we marry that Holy Spirit with the word and his love. There's nothing more powerful than the love of God. He loves me. I'm his beloved. Say that. I'm his beloved. Start to stir that up in your heart. Start to think like things are changing. I can see what the devil's doing. I might not feel it, but I can see what he's doing. Come on, revival. He's shutting the place down. Obviously, there's something good about to happen. Someone has gave you a word that you could get healed and the devil starts saying something. Obviously, he doesn't want you to know that. He wants to strip you of the knowledge that you're loved. I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.